Hi, this is Kyle from Quest Friends. The episode you're about to listen to is a recording that we did back in October with James D'Amato, where we did a little world building related to the first episode of our upcoming campaign and then delved a little bit into some of the magical creatures that are populating that world. If you're brand new to Quest Friends and you're not listening to this on the day it comes out, I'd recommend first moving on to episode one, An Oasis of Ghosts, and then after you're done with that episode, coming back to this one. Because while this doesn't spoil anything, it's kind of a fun behind the scenes insight into how we generated all the ideas that we used in episode one. If you are listening to this episode on the day it comes out, first off, thanks for listening to this. Whether you're a new listener who just was interested by the premise or one of our existing fans. If the topics in this episode strike your fancy, the adventure where we use all of this will be releasing next Monday, April 4th, and we will be doing a live stream of that episode at 7 p.m. Central Time on twitch.tv questfriends. Again, the first episode of Quest Friends Hereafter will be streaming on Monday, April 4th at 7 p.m. Central Time on twitch.tv questfriends. Or you can just listen to it here on the feed that day as well. All right, that's all I've got for you for before the episode announcements. I hope you enjoy it, and let's cue that intro music. Welcome to Quest Friends. I am your host, Kyle, and today we are joined by a very special guest, James D'Amato, host of the One Shot Podcast and author of the Ultimate RPG Guides. Hello there, James. Hello, heroes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on Quest Friends. Of course. Thanks so much for coming on. Before I explain what James is doing here today, I want to quickly introduce everyone else that is here so they're not weird ethereal voices hanging in the void without structure definition. I hate when that happens to me. I hate <laughs> when that happens to me. That's just my natural state of being. <laughs> Every episode, it's like uh, before something is observed, we're, we're Schrodinger's podcast. We just don't take definition until someone says our name. So as I said, I am Kyle, he, him. I am Ari, she, her. I am Emily, she, they. I am James, he, him. Perfect. So now that you all know us inside and out, let's talk about what we're doing here today. In a few weeks from you listening to this episode, assuming you're listening to it when it comes out, we will be releasing the first episode of our ghost theme campaigns, Quest Friends, and then I'm going to impose put whatever Skyjack's style <laughs> subtitle is here because we haven't figured that out yet. Hi, Kyle from the future here. The name of our second campaign is Quest Friends Hereafter. I was originally just going to put this segment in and remove the part where I make it pretty clear that I didn't know what the name was going to be at first, but then I remembered all the times that Pascal has made weird sounds I couldn't remove out of recordings, or blurred two sentences together in such a way that it was impossible to edit around, or... You know, the times he intentionally left something incorrect or left a blank in his recording, assuming that, you know, future editing Kyle can just come back in and record that later. And I thought, you know what? 
he needs to suffer a little bit for those crimes. All right, back to the regular recording. But at time of recording, we're actually really early in the process of developing characters, developing the system, and developing the world. And so we invited James on to walk us through an exercise from his book, The Ultimate RPG Game Master's World Building Guide. Because unlike our first season, where we started with the Numenera rulebook and fleshed it out from there, we're starting from scratch, so we need all the help we can get. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for joining us, James, and I will hand it on over to you. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for, for having me come in and offer you some help with this. I, I, I might not be one of the Quest friends, but I hope to be your Quest acquaintance today. <laughs> The reason that I believe I'm going to be able to help this group is the book we just mentioned, The Ultimate RPG Game Master's World Building Guide, the book with the title that I didn't pick and is way too long, is full of exercises, mini games, and different activities to help you flesh out the world for your role-playing games. So we talked through a couple different exercises uh, that we might want to do to take the setting that we already have and populate it with exciting details that will make fun story hooks for, you know, encounters and adventures or, you know, long term story structures that, that you can return to again and again and have cool, fun, interesting things pop out of them. And the exercise that we picked to start with is called Quest Over Country. Quest Over Country is about defining a kind of out of the way place. Generally speaking, it's what I think of as like a small town that has like, you know, the world's largest ball of twine or whatever. It's a place that you would never think of going to on purpose, but might find yourself there somehow by accident or because you have no other choices. But it turns out there is, you know, something valuable and fun to be had there. The way this exercise works is it uses something I call the priority system where we are going to assign and rank priorities for different aspects of this place. And once we have those priorities, we'll read kind of what the definition for the place that we ranked it is and come up with what this weird little place happens to be. So uh, to get started, I will need somebody to volunteer to have a piece of paper and write down what we rank at what level. I can I, do it unless you want to do it, Ari. Well, uh, <laughs> I have a, I always have a piece of paper nearby because I don't have like a mouse pad. So I use the piece of paper as my mouse <laughs> So I can do that because I have it right here. <laughs> All right. Perfect. So the different things that we're going to be defining about this place are as follows. Beauty, culture, amenities, wisdom, and secrets. We are going to be giving each of these a ranking of one to five with no repeat rankings. So one of those categories is going to be a, a one, which is the highest priority. That means it is the most important to that place story-wise. The least important to something story-wise would actually be a three. It's in between. Oh. And the five is important but probably important in a bad way, in a way that introduces complications, challenges, or, you know, other interesting diversions to your group. So based on that, figure out, like, how beautiful would you want something like this to be? How uh, culturally rich and interesting should this little place be? 
you know, there's always wisdom and secrets. Uh, you know, how much do you really want to get out of this place? How much do you want it to affect character stories or the plot? Okay. And then what were the other two? Uh, the other two are amenities. That is how well this place might be able to serve people like, you know, can we find a place to stay there? Is that place to stay nice? Are we going to be able to find stuff that we like there? Oliver, come on, man. <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah. Beauty, culture, amenities, wisdom, and secrets. Well, every you're going to have to stop me because of the kind of world builder I am from putting everything in the five, because that's my immediate default is just fi- And I know we can't do it, which is why I said people have to stop me. That is why the exercise is actually structured this way. <laughs> I, I find that a lot of people in their world building gravitate to making something extremely bad or extremely good. And if you make everything extremely bad, you're not going to A, A it's going to feel like kind of a slog for a player. And B, the, the, the other thing is that you're not going to actually be able to inflict all of the terror and horror that you want to because it's too much in one place. You'll never get to the bone demons. And if you don't get to the bone demons, why did you think of the bone demons at all? So yeah, this spreads it out. It defines like a couple of these things are going to be important and they're going to be meaningful on your journey. But if they were all meaningful, it would be harder to fit it all in. You'd be spending, you know, five sessions in this tiny place, which is probably not what you want. Yeah, so... I'd like to do something in the land of the living just because with the dichotomy that we're doing with the land of the living and land of the dead, it's not a kind of story where we go to the land of the dead early on and like then we just stay there. It's more early on we're going to be exploring how that world seeps into the land of the living and how it impacts that. So I'd love to have something in the land of the living. Okay. And as a result, I am... I'm very stuck on beauty and I kind of want to come back to that last because I'm alternating between one and five in my head. Okay. Our land of the living is largely, it's basically Phoenix to Western California slash coastal Mexico crammed into 20 miles of each other. So we've got, you know, the desert and the mountains and the beach And in all of those places, there's such a high capacity for beauty, but also a high capacity for, you know, ghost town, run of the mill kind of deadness. Yeah, that I'm I don't know what I want to pick. So I'm I this is all to say I don't want to do beauty right away. (laughs) So, yeah, what we'll do is let's put beauty and I, I think ranking one and five to the side right now. Let's actually focus on the things that we don't care about that much. Putting those out there. Does anybody just have a gut reaction of like, ooh, this is a three? Like, let's let's put this in the middle. I don't care about this. <laughs> well, I had that for beauty, but uh, <laughs> 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 but my other closest one to that, I think for me is wisdom. Mm. I don't know. It just didn't stick out to me super much. And the other ones, I gravitate more towards extremes. I personally think wisdom, uh, especially because you're just starting out your new campaign, putting wisdom at a three is a good idea because, you know, if you just, hey, I I created this character yesterday, you're not going to get a piece of wisdom that is transformative to you. You're still figuring that character out. Even if they did change, nobody would be able to tell because they just met this character. Mm -hmm. So that, that that feels right. Yeah, wisdom... 
I mean, it was because it was the hardest for me to wrap my head around that I was happy to put it at a three. But because of what Ari said and what James said, I, I'm happy with that at three. All right. Write wisdom down at a three and we'll find right. out what that means for us later. But now, now we get to the second best and second worst things for us. And this is interesting territory. Emily, I'm curious. Do you want to, you want to go high or low? You're looking for the, the two or the four slot here. Let's, let's start with the four. All right. All right. So this is going to be, you know, unpleasant or challenging in some way. What, what category would we like to be challenged by? My thought is culture or amenities. I I was thinking amenities actually. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm I I just I love the aesthetic of the ghost town, <laughs> and I feel like you're not gonna find good amenities. Well, maybe in our world the ghosts do have beautiful like ghost <laughs> amenities, but my yeah, I'm I'm leaning amenities too. So let's do amenities. That that is that is always a fun challenge. I mean, especially I, I don't know what the age range of the PCs for this campaign are, but like if they're younger, then <laughs> boy howdy, is it always gonna be a disappointment to have bad amenities somewhere. They are definitely younger. Yeah. They're definitely younger, but I I don't know if it would be them or our 40-year-old character or our Honestly, all of them would be very likely to complain, except for the youngest one. No, well, the second to youngest one. We don't have Dr. Pepper here. We have Dr. Chris, and it tastes <laughs> yeah. like licorice. Now don't say that Emily likes black licorice. Black licorice is great. It's not bad, actually. Yeah. Thank you. I, I am a fan of black licorice. It actually tastes like uh, uh, Nordic tradition salted black licorice. So it's a very salty soda that we have here. Um, it tastes like my soul. <laughs> Soul's anise forward. All right. Well, then uh, let's let's get to let's get to two. You know, this is pretty good. This is something that is going to be like pretty alluring. It is not like legendary or singular, which that will be the one spot. Like the one spot is almost nothing else in the world exists the way it does here. The two is just like, hey, this is this is pretty good. This is better than pretty much anywhere else that I have been or can think mm. of or is on par with the best. I like secrets. Yeah. Especially because I know there is one secret that comes up in one of the first episodes that I've been trying to figure out where to put it, so... I have secrets with two as well, because I think that, like, even, you know, if it's if it's in the Land of the Living, I feel like the characters that are from the Land of the Dead would still, like, be interested by the secrets of the Land of the Living, mm -hmm. too, because they are not, like, as used to them. I just imagine Ari's character, you don't get it, it's the world's well <laughs> second largest. But why don't we go to the world's largest? It's too long of a drive. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, secrets is good. Secrets is good, which means that between culture and beauty, one is the best and one is the worst. I feel like we should leave this in Emily's hands. Emily hasn't ranked yet. Yeah. Um... This is... It's a lot of power that you have, Emily. <laughs> I know. And I will point out that the choice almost does not matter because no matter what, it's going to be fun. So... <laughs> it's true. I'm... This is very difficult for me to imagine a place without beauty. 
as an artist. Mm. As an artist, the world is beautiful. But it is. There's beauty in a field of empty dirt. Yeah, but there's not beauty in a field full of used diapers, which (laughs) that being the worst, we could be there. (laughs) Though, to be fair, as far as an emotional image, Mm. a field of diapers is actually very striking. Well, oh my God. Uh, you know, like when I, we, we, you and I will take a, a little trip to a field of diapers and <laughs> <laughs> while we're there sort of experiencing it, I will ask you how the striking image uh, has affected you vis-a-vis beauty. Uh, um, what, a, what a field trip. But no, like, uh, honestly, I, I can see it going either way because it is also really difficult to imagine, like, what does bad culture look like? And especially... Ironic, considering whatever landscape we're going to be in, if we end up with culture at a five, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Literally one of the most beautiful places in the world. And the culture is garbage. Which is kind of fun. Like You have, you have the power to give us that fun. Yeah, I, I think I want that. All right. All right. Emily, that was the secret correct decision that that has always existed. (laughs) You've made a genius move. And had you made the other decision, it would have also been a genius move. But we're here. Mm -hmm. And this is the genius decision that we have. Okay. So I kind of want to actually move middle out here with our choices. So what are our three was wisdom? Yes. Wisdom was three. All right. So uh, that wisdom is... This place reinforces almost all of your PC's best assumptions. It underscores all of the lessons your party has learned in the world outside. They will leave here feeling that they are on the right path without answering any critical questions. So yeah, this is like, you know, a a town where your characters are going to go in one way and they're pretty much going to leave the way that they came in. (laughs) More likely than not, they will affect the location than have the location affect them. Which is a pretty good thing to have be one of the first things that you do in a new campaign Mm -hmm. because it allows everyone to settle into those characters. Mm -hmm. So moving from there, let's go on to what was it? It was amenities is the second worst. Um, Okay, yeah, this one's pretty straightforward. There is nothing here. PCs will have to scrape and search for any amenity they seek. So literally anything the players want in this place or are looking for when they come to this place, they're going to have to work hard to get it, which is really interesting. Um, uh, I, I can see I can see a couple different ways of that going down, but let's see how that falls together with the other puzzle pieces that we have here. Let's come to our second best, which is secrets. And it says... Somewhere in this sleepy place, there is a key to a major scandal or a missing artifact that is critical to the world's history. It hides in plain sight and only careful eyes will be able to spot it. (laughs) Here we go. The blue eyes, white dragon. Gosh, I I do love that that is here. Um, I want to make sure that we've got like the look of this place before we jump in and define more things. I'm actually interested in culture uh, to do that last because I do want it to be kind of a direct response to beauty here. This place offers singular beauty unmatched on the planet. If folks knew that it existed, they would flock here in the thousands to bask in its splendor. 
So yeah, there there is something here that you are going to be able to see or experience that literally probably nowhere else in your setting you're going to be able to do this, which is a fascinating opportunity as we think about culture being the worst thing here. And it says, the culture here exists in hushed whispers that never reach the ears of an outsider. To almost all folk, this place feels like a corpse, shaped like a living thing with no heart or soul to make it move. Yeah, gosh, I, I did have an idea, like half of an idea, just thinking of the juxtaposition of that and the beauty. What if this place is like a little bit scary predatory? What if this place is so beautiful that people just sit here and bask in its beauty and never leave? Ooh, I like that. Mm, that's fun. Because when I when I saw all of these put together, I was like, I've seen the movie up and this is just every rank is that movie to a team. <laughs> Of like the very high beauty. There is a secret there that only one person cares about. The amenities are terrible because it's just yeah. jungle. And then the culture is dog man. Man with too many dogs. That one doesn't match up as well. But that. Uh... Yeah, a dog based culture would be pretty good. <laughs> I have also a place that I thought of, which is a very specific town up in the mountains that we would pass by. That was not quite a ghost town because one person lived there. One person. But it was just literally one person. <laughs> yeah. And then they died and now it's a ghost town. <laughs> no. Okay. But it's like you look across and there are these gorgeous views. And then in the actual town, it's like broken down houses and this one old department store. And that's what I thought of. So now I'm just thinking of a way loneliness. to now I'm just thinking of a way to fuse those. And my thought is, what happens if we have a place where the stories around it are you go there and you never leave and it's so beautiful. And yet you've still got one guy, one person who is just living a life there and just didn't get consumed by the ocean or whatever. They're just there. They are the singular culture. Oh, that's interesting. I like this a lot because I, I, I sort of had the idea that like, what if, because we were talking about being emotionally affected by stirring images earlier, the idea of art being something that like compels something within your soul or, or personality that moves you in a way. And like, what if the beauty that is here is like, a natural act of art. It, it, it's it's not that oh this is a beautiful like place that exists within nature. You know art can be made from it because it inspires you. What if nature itself is like doing an art here? Nature is coming together to express something, and therefore like the beings who see it or experience it are tremendously affected by it and and moved by it. To the point where they kind of lose sense of themselves, except this one guy, because this one guy sucks so much he doesn't get art. He's just like, <laughs> I'm not moved by anything. I'm a curmudgeon. <laughs> this is Ari's character's home. I know. I was going to say, that's just my character. I was, I was <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> 
I would like you to get along with this person. But that is something that I really love, though, is because it'll make... Yeah. Not only does it make for a fun NPC, it will make for a fun dynamic. Yeah. In which case, all of the characters would be consumed by the beauty. Except for mine. Except for Ari's. Yeah. Which works even better because Ari's character is the kind of character more than anyone else who would just get up and leave the party if given the opportunity. So going to this kind of place, and I, and I know we you know said we put a wisdom three, but going to this kind of place would force Ari's character to actively mm -hmm. intervene yeah. mm -hmm. when he claims he doesn't want to. Yeah. So I, I do really like that idea of unless you're a curmudgeon who just can't appreciate beauty, it, it sucks you all in because it, it interacts well with our party dynamics we've got set up. And then we have this fun NPC who is a terrible, twisted reflection on Ari's character. Like, yeah. this is me. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like this is just the person who like lives nearby, rolls through here every so often because people like, you know, get entranced by this place and steals their wallets. Uh <laughs> I, I so okay then this to me if like that is the scenario setup then the thing that I think we need to do to give ourselves a robust story is we need to make the experience of the beauty of this place somehow dynamic either sending players into dream sequences or, or, or something like that like because we've got this contrast between land of the dead land of the living and we have the idea of moving between and them bleeding into each other, I think putting you in a space. What, what if what if it's your soul that's experiencing the art? Ooh. Like it's not really your physical body. Like you have a literal out of body experience where it's so dang pretty that like you get knocked out of your body and Maybe you have the wherewithal to feel horror of like, oh my God, I can't move my body. I'm not going to be able to like drink water or eat unless I do something. But also you're like, I've never experienced anything like this. So I'm just going to sink into it for a little bit because then our GM can walk through the players talking about what their character thinks of as, you know, unmatched and unparalleled beauty of creation because that will help us learn a lot about those characters and give us some really cool, fun images while our curmudgeon goes around and <laughs> finds Blue Eyes White Dragon to save the day. I also like building on that, going back to when Emily said that beauty can be found in many different places and like many people can find different things beautiful, I think. We can just paraphrase that to diapers are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think Found the title for this episode, <laughs> Diapers Are Beautiful, featuring James D'Amato. No. Oh, no. No, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but I think it would be fun that like the place in and of itself, maybe like it is beautiful when people look at it, but like from afar, it maybe doesn't look like it. And it's just when the people are approaching it that they each find it beautiful for different reasons and they see different things in it. Yeah. And that like ties to what you said of like they having different visions of different things and stuff like that. Another fun dynamic with there is because our Kamajan is our one character from the Land of the Dead, the one dead character. 
and they're going into an out-of-body experience. Oh, yeah. This is just Tuesday for him. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just living in his soul. Yeah. There's nothing new or unique or special about that. And I think that could, I think that could be fun, like, the idea that this is, this isn't the ghost airport, the place where there is a clear divide between the world of the living and dead, but this is a place where there is, there's a little more overlap with not only the land of the dead, but maybe some secret parts of it, which could be not only why people have an out-of-body experience, but if we do want to have our ghost Pikachu, our ghost blue-eyes white dragon, that could be why there's more of those ghost Pokemon, the Necromon is what, what we call them, could be more of them hopping around in this area is because it is kind of, it's not a full link, but there's a little more of an energy or overlap there. So this is bringing a follow-up question to me and the answer can be i don't know yet but what are necromon like we've talked about them a little bit but do we know what they are kind of okay necromon are essentially ghost pokemon they're not the mm -hmm. kind of things you see on halloween where it's like what if we made a pokemon real scary and horrifying it's more like bug snacks where they're like, what if we made food into Pokemon? Ours is, what if we made ghouls or ghosts into cute little Pokemon friends? But they're not dead animals. They're not like, there's a squirrel, and then the squirrel dies, <laughs> and now it's a Necromon, because that's mm -hmm. a bit too dark for our show. Instead, they came from the depths of this death space. Okay. Since we've got this crossover with the land of the living and the land of the dead, what if this place just happens to be a place where one of the deepest parts of the death world crosses over and the things that pour forth are extremely primal and abstract, you know, forms of beauty, but also lots of little necromon are there because this is kind of one of the places where necromon would quote unquote come from in the world of the living. It's a very deep you know, fissure of the dead world where Necromon are usually hanging out and sometimes they approach like a portal or whatever and go, what's the deal with this? And they hang out here for a while, like playing or whatever, and then they roam on to hopefully cause mischief. I really like that. There is a wrinkle in the world building that I haven't told you about that I think is a complexity that should be explored. And that is each season of this campaign, which we're calling a layer is going to be like a season of a TV show. And our first layer is focused on a Necromon tournament, essentially like the Pokemon tournament, but also like the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So because of that, you're going to have massive businesses in the Necromon industry, and you're going to have a whole bunch of people who suddenly have Necromon fever. So everybody's going to want to find a Mon, either for profit or pleasure or something else. Why? with the exception of random chance by our PCs and this random curmudgeon, has nobody else found this place? And, it, and we have talked about how they get there. There's an out-of-body experience where maybe, maybe they just all die. Maybe that's what happens, but... I do kind of think that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, it's not that they haven't heard of it. It's that they just haven't left after that, so... Yeah, and it's not like, oh... I came back and there's a bunch of Necromon over there. It's like, hey, some people said they were going there to look for Necromon and they're gone. I love it. So 
this is a place that is on the radar of random people and especially probably locked deep in some file somewhere. But every person they've sent there just has not come back. So I, I'm wondering if it's possible, because uh, like th- I'm thinking of Necromon, and do, do you do Necromon just like hang out with people? Is, is is like that the thing? Are there like Pokeball type things? Like we haven't figured out the details yet. Uh, what does everyone else think? Because I know I talked about how I want it to be Yu-Gi-Oh, and then before the recording, James mentioned Card Captor Sakura. So there's a whole lot of directions we could go. I do have a, a maybe a solution for this. We've got Necromon potentially coming from deeper dead worlds. It, it sort of makes sense to me that they wouldn't be able to exist in the world of the living or maybe even higher levels of the land of the dead without some kind of assistance. Like the idea that you have to link yourself or, or, or do something to sustain a, a necromon's presence in the world of the living is kind of interesting, which makes the idea that a necromon who comes from like the deepest levels of the world of the dead really being of great difficulty, no one would be able to sustain them for very long because they need so much of, of whatever they're taking from you to do it. But like, you know, more playful and less abstract necromon from higher levels like it doesn't take much effort so a necromon trainer like if we want the card captor slash Yu-Gi-Oh aesthetic taking like the idea that in a sort of shinto lore you can write out spells and and uh like calligraphy and, and letters being a part of a spiritual ritual of significance that can you know ward or seal spirits the idea that you can like create some sort of card that bonds a necromon to you where you can like draw your necromon and put it in some place of ritual significance and be like now the necromon can exist here with me and be like kind of fully formed otherwise it'll be an abstract shade that is slowly fading back into its natural place in the dead world where it belongs so when people have this out-of-body experience and hang out with all these necromon, they're not just having a playful time with their fun abstract friends from the deepest dead worlds. They are unwittingly draining their life force in order to have this experience. So that's that's what kills them. That's what gobbles them up. <laughs> Too much playtime, puppy therapy to death. And our blue eyes white dragon necromon, for whatever reason, it is just a necromon from like one of the deepest ones that knows how to not overeat and can like hang out with you for long periods of time or whatever without there being much worry because we don't know why and we haven't asked that question because it's our friend (laughs) i i really like that for two reasons so the first one is i have mentioned off the air multiple times and i've probably mentioned to the folks listening or reading multiple times that necromon is just pokemon but since everyone got me and emily really into Yu-Gi-Oh gx i've wanted to make it Yu-Gi-Oh! And now it's just card captures. <laughs> yeah, if we do Yu-Gi-Oh!, it's it's a fun fusion because they sell like these blank cards. So they're like Pokemon balls, but then when you connect with a Necromon, you know, capture it or something like that, then it has the Necromon on it. So it becomes a Yu-Gi-Oh! card, but it functions like a Pokeball. But the other thing I really like, even if it's Clifford the Big Red Dog rules, 
actually, especially because it's Clifford the Big Red Dog rules, is that the thing you said originally, James, was that they originally bond with people's souls and then they need a little bit of help, especially deeper on. And so the card helps kind of facilitate that. But for those who really make very strong connections with their Necromon, they maybe have the card, but they don't need it. They can just have them hanging out like Pikachu on their shoulder, mm-hmm. which adds a fun wrinkle for Emily's character. The Without spoiling anything, considering Emily's character's role in the story, the fact that her character of all characters is able to maintain this bond is real fun to me. That that is that is super super cool and like thinking about it in terms of like the the Necromon tournament slash Olympic things like you can also pull in more of that card captor stuff and not only were the Clow actual beings like spiritual beings that got sealed in these cards but they could lend Sakura their powers so the idea that like oh yeah not only am I bonded with my Necromon but like. A little bit of that cool spiritual energy passes the other way to me, which means that people can do cool. Like, can you imagine the rad like Necromon ballet that people can do of like, yeah, we're all bonded with these Necromon and I can do cool spiritual things and the Necromon can be in the world because we're working together as partners and friends in this fun tournament. It's really fun. It's I don't know about anyone else. It feels like it fits exactly in the kind of aesthetic that we're going to for season two, where it is something that is beautiful and wholesome and pure and using things like the cards, mega corporations could easily exploit it for easy profit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's the thing because they're feeding on like your life force or whatever. I imagine that you can only do it for a limited period of time. So if you're Seto Kaiba and you figure out a way to allow people to bond with their Necromon for longer without dying, that's money. That's money right there. Yeah. And it, it fits the Seto Kaiba aesthetic well, because the cards make profit while also it treats them like collectibles as opposed to unique, wonderful things. I'm glad we've gone on a Necromon tangent. This is really helping me figure out how they function. Hey, this this is all all hits. All hits. Nothing but hits all the way down. Well, it sounds like we have an extremely good scenario that should have something for everyone to do and be really interesting and also doesn't break anything about your game setting of wondering why people haven't already tried to exploit this place. It's because they're dead. (laughs) It's because they did die. (laughs) Yeah, I really like it. I really like it. It's very fun. All right. Well, thank you so much, James, for joining us today. If you really like this exercise, you can check out the Ultimate RPG Game Master's World Building Guide, which is in the description below. I'll also link One Shot Podcast as below well. James, do you want to talk a little bit about each of those? Sure thing. Uh, So the, again, Game Master's World Building Guide is part of the Ultimate RPG Guide series. We have lots of different books in that series, really there to be accessories to you, to enhance your experience of role-playing games. We already knew that the setting for the next season of Quest Friends was going to be fun. We already knew that it was going to be cool, but using the tools in the book, we made it just a little bit more fun, just just a little bit sweeter. And that's what I hope this guide can do for you if, if you are building a setting of your own. I recommend going out, picking up the book. It's divided into sections based on genre. So it should be able to help you with whatever role-playing game you're playing. 
But we also have things like the gameplay guide, which uh, I, I talked through my ideas about uh, narrative technique in role-playing games, especially if you're somebody who likes actual play and would like your games to feel more like actual play. Uh, that's a cool book to pick up. They are sold anywhere books are sold, including all major brick-and-mortar retailers, all major online retailers, and of course, your friendly local game store and your favorite indie brick-and-mortar bookstore. I always recommend picking books up there. And, you know, if you're interested in these books and you don't want to pay for them, go to your library because they're there too. That said, I don't just write books. I also do podcasts. I do a show called One Shot where we explore as many different role-playing games as possible. We do self-contained one-shot adventures that we release in hour-long episodes every week. We usually go through about two games a month. We've got like over 400 episodes now, so there are a lot of games for you to discover. Uh, head over there. I, I also do a ongoing campaign called Campaign Skyjacks. The current setting for that is a anti-colonial air pirate fantasy setting inspired by the music of the Decemberists and uh, some of my favorite folk tales. So there's lots of cool stuff there, and I sincerely hope that you check it out. And I also sincerely hope that you enjoy the new season of Quest Friends from your Quest acquaintance. <laughs> Yeah, so if you enjoyed today's episode and you're intrigued by the setting, there is a 90% chance, 100 if I keep this in, that <laughs> this is actually going to be our first couple of episodes are going to take place in this place that we've built. So if you like the idea of this ghosty world and you want to explore more of that fun, silly, episodic adventure taking place in this ghost world, check out Quest Friends, our second season name... Hereafter, we'll be releasing on April 4th. But don't just wait for that. If you want more of a sci-fi aesthetic, our entire first campaign, Flashback Future, which takes place in the Numenera system, is available right now. And we've just done a series of one-shots over the past six months, which if you are coming into this as a fan of the One-Shot Network, we do a lot of stuff related to what they do. We've got a Clone High-themed adventure in the system school days. We've got a choose-your-own-adventure mission-accomplished story. And if you really like world-building back for Halloween, we did a All My Fantasy Children-style world-building episode called All My Damon Children. <laughs> so an incredible amount of things to check out. So if you're new to James, check out all his stuff. If you're new to us, check out some of the stuff I mentioned and which one strikes your fancy the most. Yeah, but thank you so much, James, for joining us. I don't think I, we have anything else to say except for be it in books or in one of our shows. We will see you later. 